Welcome back, creeps. Hello. Hello. Welcome to Weekly Creep, episode 41. Hello. 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 Uh, <laughs> so today I go first, and this one's probably going to be pretty short. But mm -hmm. it's one I remember reading a bit about this like when i was in college uh-huh and just thinking like it's the coolest fucking thing sick yeah but there's not actually as much information as i thought was out there so i'm just gonna read what i got so today i'm gonna take you to nevada sick yeah we're going like wild west this is the town of goldfield wait actually shit so before we get started because I got carried away. This week's patron of the week is Marcus. Marcus. Thank you very much for being a patron. Thanks, Marcus. We love you dearly. Yes. And uh, I think that's it. I can't think of anything else like important or anything. Nothing's ever really important. Okay, that got deep pretty quick. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, back to the story. The town of Goldfield, Nevada. Oh, before we get started, I know you already started, but let me jump in real quick. I work with a lady because I have I work in a very small department. It's just me and this one other lady, right? Okay. And when I first like when we first started working with each other, I got the feeling of what kind of lady she was. She's an older lady, and since I've had this podcast. I've been talking to her about the things that I read, stuff that I talk about on the podcast, yeah, and all sorts of things. So let me tell you what kind of lady she is. She's very straight shooter, no nonsense, doesn't believe in anything that she can't see outside of God. Um, you know, those kinds of like that that kind of yeah, person, yeah. you know. So I've noticed a change <laughs> <laughs> since I've been having these conversations with her. Because I remember when I first started talking to her about these things, she's like, oh, no, I can't. I can't talk about those things. Can't mess with that. Like, I can't, you know, I don't know about that. You know, like, she just felt kind of uneasy. Yeah, that's the devil. And uh, just this morning, I was talking to her about black-eyed kids and how I think they're aliens and why I think they're aliens. And she's like, yeah. You know, like, she's just, like, <laughs> agreeing really with it, me. Like... <laughs> she's like. Or maybe she's just like, if I just agree, yeah. she'll leave me alone. So I'm telling her these stories about things that happen and uh, like how that guy played that frequency to try to attack, attract oh, yeah, a black-eyed yeah. kid. If you want to so, know more about that, check out our Patreon. So and instead of being like, oh, I, I, that, that sounds like a hoax or I don't believe that or it's staged, whatever. Yeah. She's like, oh, my God, he's crazy. So like she took, <laughs> she took my word for it. So she's like... Her reactions, and it, they're just different. She's just gone hook, line, and sinker for Basically. Right now. <laughs> well, it'll do it to you. That's so crazy. I just never thought, like, I, it didn't hit me until today when I had a conversation with her about these things again. So you're just messing around with that poor lady. <laughs> Yeah. Having to work with you. And I never thought I'd, <laughs> I never thought I'd have, like, a back and forth. Instead of like, I instead of you just getting it off your chest, like yeah, yeah. I thought it would just be a one-sided conversation forever, but now it's like a back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> just one of the things I'm grateful for. But go on. Okay, I like it. I like it. Okay, so the town of Goldfield, Nevada, was founded in 1902 when gold was discovered in the area. Hence the name. It was quite literally a gold mine. It was a perfect example of a boom town, quickly becoming the largest town in Nevada. It had many saloons, three newspapers, five banks, a mining stock exchange, and the beautiful Goldfield Hotel. Now, I when I'm like researching these, I get really into like I love seeing numbers, okay, and shit like that. So, like with this one, it was actually funny because when you go on the Wikipedia page. Uh, it has a, a table that was taken, it says directly from the U.S. Census. Mm -hmm. And I did try to find it, but I couldn't. But anyway, 
1902, the population of the town was 36 people. Wow. Yeah. The next year, 400. What? The next year, 1600. Wow. 1905, it had 8,000 people. 1906, 20,000 people. So that shot up real quick. Literally over, what, three years? It'd be funny if it shot up real quick because people were procreating like crazy and like no one actually really moved (laughs) from outside. (laughs) They were just fucking like rabbits. (laughs) Uh, So no, it was like, obviously it was the gold drew all these people in. Yeah. Um, But yeah, literally over the course of four years, sorry. It went from having the population of 36 people to being the largest town or city in the all of Nevada. By 1920, it was back down to 1,500 people. And nowadays, there's around 298 people that live there. So it literally shot up over four years. And then there was a steady decline after that. The goal that built the place had dried up pretty quick and by 1920 it was all but gone in 1923 a fire wiped out 27 blocks of homes and businesses and that just seemed to be like the final nail in the coffin like whoever was left was now pretty much homeless i think 500 people were left homeless oh that's sad yeah so they just moved to uh i can't fucking think of the next nearest town but i'll look it up eventually i don't fucking know Either way, they were gone. People were gone. Reno. No. Oh. Um, Just thought I'd take a stab at it. Starts with a T, but now I'm going to have to look it up. <laughs> well, now I need to, need to verify that you are wrong. <laughs> yeah. Tonopah, Nevada was the nearest place. They just went back to wherever they had originally come from, or Tonopah, whatever. Either way, the city was dead. In 1908, however, while the town was in full swing, the Goldfield Hotel was opened up. It had one of the fastest elevators in all of Nevada. How fast was it? Speeds of up to 3.4 miles per hour. I wonder what that feels like. Breakneck speeds. No, I actually Google it. Today's average elevator speed is between 5 and 22 miles per hour. Oh, okay. So, uh, so really slow. Yeah, not that impressive. Okay. But at the time it was. Yeah. Um, Ladies were not allowed in the saloon. They had their own special entrance into the dining room, whereas men could go into the saloon and go through their own back door. I thought you were going to say they weren't allowed in the elevator because people (laughs) were afraid that their uteruses would just fall out of their... Hysteria. Absolute hysteria. Or hysteria. (laughs) That's why women weren't allowed to drive. Because if they went too fast, they thought their uteruses would... Just fall out? Yeah. Jesus Christ. Same same reason for... um... For trains or something like that? Probably, probably. Yeah. Anyway. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's nuts. So, in the dining room, they had a Velt Automatic Orchestra. Or Orchestrion. This is what I was looking up the other night when you woke up and you were like, what? What's going on? And I was like, (laughs) look at this box. I don't remember that. Okay. These things. (laughs) I think you're lying. When I saw this thing, I was like, I need one. In our fucking house, I need one. They're like 12 feet tall boxes, basically. And they're full of just different pipes, all different organ pipes that are designed to sound like different instruments. Mm. Okay, so even though it's coming through pipes, it might sound like a violin or a guitar or something. And I can't remember how many. I think this one was like a keyboard. What? Because you can record things on your keyboard. Never mind. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I guess like a little bit like that, except 120 years ago. And it's all like it looks like something out of like Willy Wonka or something. You know what I mean? It's all like cushions being inflated and deflated at certain times oh, okay, and okay. like arms going around. And it played a full on orchestra. It sounded just like it. Some of them were like had up to 17 different instruments and stuff in it. So it was built basically to replace musicians. That's interesting. Yeah. So it was in my head. This was the very first like iPod. Mm. You know what I mean? And I had like four. Yeah. Some (laughs) of them could be left for like four or six hours and they would just play on this this drum. Yeah. But like this drum would like guide the things to do what they were supposed to do. Mm. And it would play like whole pieces, whole 
concertos and stuff like that. That's interesting. Yeah, I spent way too long looking at them. They were so fucking cool. Concertos. Yeah, that's probably not even the right fucking word. Also in the hotel, they had brass spittoons. You know, remember, this was literally the Wild West. So to spit your chewing tobacco in as you walk past. Oh, that's what that is? I didn't know what that was. I think that's what it is. Anyway, so you literally just go. Oh. But made of brass. So it looked like gold. Okay. The lights were made of crystal and they were electric. Oh. A lot of them. They had telephones in some of the rooms, although yeah. guests still had to share a tub and a toilet. Gross. Yeah, 150 rooms, and I think there was one bathroom on each oh, floor. Oh, wow, that's yeah. a while. They said the building cost between 300 and 400,000 to build back in 1907, which today would be almost $12 million. Love that conversion. Yeah. I read on one website, and I can't even quote the source because. I didn't fucking save it. I closed all my tabs the other day by accident and I didn't even write this down. That's no excuse for plagiarism. No, but it was a comment left on a story about the building. And this person's like great uncle actually met his wife while there. She was an operator, an elevator operator, and they shared the same bathroom and that's how they got talking. (laughs) (laughs) Romance, baby. Also, they were so bougie that during the opening ceremony, they literally had a champagne waterfall down the staircase. Wow. Yeah, like. But they only had one bathroom. (laughs) Yeah, per floor, I think. What the fuck? The priorities, though. Yeah, and so it was considered to be the most luxurious hotel between Chicago and San Francisco. How luxurious could it be? Because it was probably rank. I don't fucking know, but what an odd, like, scale like places to put it between chicago and san francisco (laughs) yeah it passed hands a couple of times and as the town dwindled so did the hotel's clientele by 1939 it housed soldiers from the air corps assigned to a nearby base but then when they left in 1945 after world war ii was over the hotel just closed its doors for good people have bought it and tried to renovate it over the years but it just keeps getting shut down because it's, it's a fucking money pit. And locals literally are pleading with people to stop breaking in to vandalize it because it's just delaying like all these projects. Like they could have a really nice museum or attraction or whatever, yeah. but shit just keeps getting halted. I hate people sometimes. Yeah, me too. Another reason for all these break ins is because of people trying to communicate with the spirits of the hotel. Look, y'all, if it's private property, stay away from it, man. You know, this is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> yeah, like, honestly, if you you could probably arrange to do a ghost hunt there. Yeah. If people were able to get it safe enough to be open. Yeah. Anyway, according to legend, George Wingfield, an owner of the hotel, used to have relations with a prostitute by the name of Elizabeth relations yeah i know i was trying to like fight he you know i think she was just his favorite or something (laughs) i don't fucking know anyway well elizabeth showed up one evening pregnant and claiming that george was the father wingfield apparently paid her off because he couldn't have this kind of thing ruining his appearance Mm. but she either kept coming back or she just wasn't quiet about it or maybe wingfield just had a change of heart Either way, it's said that he lured her into room 109, where he chained her to the radiator. The plan was to keep her locked up there until the baby was born. He had her meals brought to her and like kept her fed and watered, but other than that, she was like completely alone. Yeah, <laughs> she was completely alone, completely alone. And it said that like she would scream and cry, but she was just ignored. What happened to her? What happened to her is also up for debate. Some say that she died while giving birth to the baby, while others say she was just murdered shortly after giving birth. It's probably likely that she died after the baby. Possibly, like, as in was killed after the baby. But they all say that, like, all different versions of the story all come out with, she is dead and the baby was thrown down an abandoned mine shaft. Which the town is full of at this point. So if any of this is true, 
I just think that people's logic is so fucking strange, right? Now, obviously, I'm not condoning murder, but this goes to the story that we talked about last week. What did we talk about last week? So the guy in Lee Woods who like went out of his way oh, to yeah, kill yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that lady when he could have just snuck up behind her and I'm telling you, man. popped her in the head. Anyway, my whole thing with this one is like if you're going to murder a person and the baby that they just birthed. Yeah. Why lock them up for months or at least weeks before? Why not just like disappear them? Especially in a time disappear when you can very easily. Yeah. Like get rid of them, you mean? Yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. Like, especially back then when all you had to do was say, Elizabeth went to her parents in Canada and maybe nobody's he, ever going to question it. Maybe he wanted to see if, uh, if she would be missed. And once he saw that she wouldn't be, he was like, all right, now I can get rid of her. Maybe, maybe. But this legend is said to be just that, mm. a legend. Regardless of what happened or who it happened to or because of, a spirit of a lady who is now known as Elizabeth mm -hmm. has been seen walking the hallways of the hotel calling for her lost baby. People have described her as having long flowing hair, wearing a white gown and just looking sad, <laughs> miserable, yeah. like forlorn. Others have reported hearing crying coming from room 109 of both woman and child. Elizabeth has also been seen in room 109 in both full body apparitions. And apparently she was also photographed in there. But I could not find this picture. Lame. Yeah. The room is reported to be intensely cold at times, which makes like zero sense because it's literally in the fucking middle of the desert. Yeah. And also most people who walk in there... If they have a camera, it just straight up refuses to work as soon as they get into that room. Other ghosts that have been seen by many different people include an unknown woman who is said to have hanged herself in a third floor room and a man who supposedly jumped to his death from the hotel. Either the roof or a window, I don't fucking know. I don't know how these people know this unless maybe they're just residual energies and these people have seen them committing these acts on mm -hmm. a loop you know a particularly gnarly entity known as the stabber the stabber <laughs> the stabber he is said to randomly appear in the dining room with a large kitchen knife and attack people before immediately disappearing mm. so i like to think that he's just the ultimate jokester he's like oh i'm a ghost look at this ghost knife i'm gonna ghost stab you now and then disappear because he's never actually hurt anyone well, they but, should call him the chef. No, because he runs up and he pretends to stab people. Oh. But, like, either way, can you imagine walking through this dark-ass hotel in the middle of the night and then suddenly someone just runs up to you and goes to stab you with a fucking knife and as soon as you think you've been stabbed, there's just nothing there. Well, remember I told you that one time that my room was dark and I walked in? It was, like, nighttime. I don't think this is the same thing. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> Yes and no, because I feel like I'd have the same reaction where I'm like, oh, <laughs> like I'd make that. Explain to the people what you're talking about. All right. So it was nighttime. I was trying to make my way to my room. As you probably already know, I'm scared of the dark. And I think the hallway light wasn't working. So I was kind of just using my phone to guide myself. And it was a flip phone. So there's not a lot of light in those. So I'm walking towards my room and I think I might have placed something on my bed that kind of just stuck out a little bit and I ran into it and it poked me in the stomach and I got scared because <laughs> I, I thought a ghost poked me in the stomach or something. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, imagine that only this time you actually see a man running at you with a knife except, and you don't feel anything. You just think you've been stabbed. I feel like I'd react the same, just a little louder. Oh, <laughs> so moving on near the staircase in the lobby. Well, I feel supposed like a dumbass be... now. <laughs> <laughs> so near the staircase in the lobby, there's supposed to be three spirits, two children and a little person. They're supposed to be just little pranksters sneaking up behind people and tapping them, tapping them on the back before giggling and dancing away merrily. I don't know. 
this this is what has been reported. People have also reported smelling cigar smoke randomly in different areas of the hotel, and it's assumed that this is George Wingfield himself making his presence known. Although, I'm not denying that it very well could be like residual energy, mm-hmm. but it could literally be anyone of the past people who have walked through those doors that used to smoke cigars back in a time when pretty much everyone smoked cigars. I also kept reading that it said that the hotel is so active because it contains or is a portal. But this genuinely could just be something that Zach Bagans has said because he's been there like four times, apparently. And we all know how much of a fucking drama queen he can be. Yes. So another building in Goldfield is the high school. Okay. Yeah. Now, much like the hotel, I think this cost around $100,000 which was extortionate for a school back in the day. Mm-hmm. It also had, like, I want to say the first full-sized fucking basketball court in oh. any high school. It was the biggest and best-equipped school in the state, and this actually lasted until 1952 when it finally shut down. Okay. It's currently under restoration as 70 years' worth of vandalizing and just weather beaten that's a damn shame yeah but as well like the the whole back wall there was something to do with like whatever way it was built anytime it rained the back wall like got the majority of the damp uh-huh and the whole back wall just fell away the so, damp. so there's pictures of this building just missing a huge big section of the brick on the back that's anyway nice. the residents or whoever are i think it's the goldfield historical society mm-hmm. are in the middle of doing it up but they've got very little funding what's cool about this place though like other than the fact that it's fucking 100 year old school is that the doors were literally just locked up one day and the place was left so everything that's inside still there still there all the original school desks fucking like books and shit from the 40s and 50s even long dead teachers notes on the chalkboards that was pretty creepy yeah right so naturally somewhere a place like this is gonna be you know everyone's gonna assume that it's haunted of course i couldn't find anything Mm. literally could not find a fucking thing about it so like i said zach bagans had gone there so i was like because I wanted to talk about it because it's such a cool building. Yeah. Was he connecting the dots? Like, yeah. So what, what, what we think Zach does is he'll take a few EVPs and sort of reach in terms of what they sound like. And then in his narration, he'll connect the dots with his own narrative. Like, oh, could it be? You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. He'll like pick up like four different words it'll be like physician thank you host yeah is this doctor trying to tell me thank you for saving his host yeah like that it's like so this is what we call connecting the dots so if you've been with us and we talk about zach connecting the dots this is what we're talking about yeah pretty much so i i was stuck like i hate having to do this but i was like i'm gonna watch the episode and just see what background they tell me about. Yeah. So, according to Zach Bagans. Zach Bagans. Zach Bagans. Students of Goldfield High were in fear for their lives. Really? They held a strike to get the principal filed, fired. Filed? <laughs> filed. They held a strike <laughs> to get the principal fired because he was so cruel that they just refused to learn anymore. That's weird. Yeah, and in the show, they did have a picture of the Nevada State Journal from April 28th, 1937. Yeah. I couldn't access this because uh-huh. I had to pay for a subscription, but I also couldn't find another copy of it. Mm. Anyway, I was watching this and I was like, okay. So they start walking around with the caretaker. Yeah. And the caretaker, was her name was Lisa or something. And she claims to see shadow figures. Like, literally, as they're there, she's like, I just saw two students here in the basement. Full apparitions of students, poltergeist activity. 
Um, she also says that she witnessed she walked into the coal room one day and a little boy crawled across the floor and grabbed hold of her ankle, then reached with the other hand and grabbed the other ankle. Gross. Yeah, this is horrific, right? But I still couldn't find anything like to back this shit up. I yeah. thought if I found this out, I could go back. So oh. I called Jerry of justjerry.com uh-huh. and I asked her. So Jerry runs the tours of Goldfield, Nevada. Okay. Which, by the way, she invited us over there. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so she, they're still running up to this day. But I just said to her, like, look, this is the well, this is what I'm trying to find out, and I can't find any fucking sources. Is that what you told her exactly? More or less. I had my telephone voice on, oh. so she doesn't know I really you sound were like, like this. Look, hello. <laughs> this is Jerry. Hi. Uh, no, so she said she's like not a Goldfield native, I don't think. Okay. But she said that the place has such a rich history that as soon as you like get there, you can feel all of this residual energy. And she said it's not negative, like necessarily, but it's pulling you in. And she says it feels like all of these people who ever passed through there made their lives there, like had to flee there, whatever. All this emotion is still in the place. Sick. So much like the story from the hotel, she's like, you can't just pinpoint it on, oh, that's Elizabeth, who was the concubine of fucking this owner or anything. It could literally be anyone. Uh-huh. That makes but that's sense. not to say that the stuff doesn't happen. Yeah. And that all these buildings are haunted as fuck. Yeah. In regards to the boy that the caretaker claims she saw, uh-huh. Jerry told me, now we're friends, you know, me and Jerry go way back. Yeah. She said that the story is, the coal room was in the basement and when they used to get their delivery of coal, it would all be poured down a coal chute straight into the basement. Mm-hmm. So the legend is that one of the school kids was actually in there for whatever reason. Maybe they were cleaning up. I did read somewhere that this cruel principal had a habit of locking the kids into cupboards and stuff. What a dick. So, you know, maybe this is where the, these stories overlap. But anyway, there was a boy in the coal room. And as they started loading the coal in, he couldn't get out and he died in there. Yeah. Whether from being crushed or suffocated, who knows. But he is said to be one of the busiest spirits in there still to this day. Okay. There was also another story I had read of a a young girl. And trigger one in here because it's a horrible story. But this girl was brought to the school and raped one evening. And when she went back to her family... Her dad was like, fuck this. I'm going to kill this guy. And he goes back to the school to kill this guy. But uh-huh. the other guy pulls his gun first. Oof. And so the dad dies on the spot. And that's how it's going to be here soon. Uh, it's pretty much already how it is here. Yeah. But yeah, so that's the story. And she said she doesn't know where this guy was buried or anything. But like that, I was reading a story about the local fucking uh, sheriff or constable, I can't remember his exact title, but he was literally just hired because he was a badass. And they're like, people stealing our gold. We need someone here to look after our gold. Yeah. So they picked this guy, and like that, he just went out, kicked ass, and just shot whoever fucking came in. He was like, you know, killing fucking horse thieves. He was on the inside of these like heists and stuff that they had planned. And back in 1904, or whenever this was going on, the council who elected him said, we will guarantee you $10,000 a month or 40% of all the gold that you've returned. Nice. Whichever is more. And it said that he never got paid the 10,000 a month because he was always pulling in that stolen gold. Nice. Yeah. So this What an incentive. I know. Right. (laughs) But that's the kind of place that it was like literally gold powered this whole city. Yeah. And that was the only thing anybody ever wanted, whether it meant getting killed or killing people. So, yeah, Jerry had a very valid point, like all this emotion and fucking greed and anger and happiness is all just still piled into these few streets. And the school and the hotel are some of the only original buildings actually left there. So it makes perfect sense that all the activity would be there. But, yeah, so. I did tell Jerry that if anybody 
wants to go take a tour of Goldfield, her website is justjerry.com. I'll leave it in the show notes, but it's J-U-S-T-J-E-R-I dot C-O-M. And when you go on there, because it looks like she just does a little bit of everything. I think she's a photographer, but she organizes the tours and also vacation rentals. Good for her for landing that um, that URL name. Justjerry.com. Yeah, yeah, it's not like justjerry12345.com. Yeah. Um, but I will say, because I was having a quick look at the places that you can stay in. Uh-huh. And if you are somebody who doesn't need a five-star hotel room, these places are definitely fucking cool. I need a five-star. Yeah, I know you do. But they have like original antique beds from the red light district of goldfield so you can sleep in a prostitute's bed if you want well i mean you can do that anyway but you can sleep in a goldfield prostitute's bed (laughs) (laughs) it has like original bathroom furnishings stuff like that it looks really fucking cool um and yeah lysol that shit i'm pretty sure you can actually book the whole school to yourself for a private investigation oh wow and one other thing that um this jerry lady told me is that she like she is not a ghost hunter or anything yeah she just kind of fell into this and is learning as she goes oh okay so if you feel like oh i'm not a professional ghost hunter i can't do that just go with the fucking flow if you want goldfield stop in that's the name of the uh, vacation rental just jerry.com check it out very cool is she gonna listen to our podcast i don't know but if she does thanks jerry i hope she does yeah, I told her, you know, when it was going to be out. And we stuff can like be that. friends. Yeah, and like that, she didn't have to answer my call, but I was kind of desperate for some real information about the place, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, there you go. Sick. Thank you for that story. Okay, so how this works is I normally tell a story and then you tell me a story, right? <laughs> <laughs> Trigger warning here because this one is fucking disgusting and there's lots of sexual stuff and uh yeah it made us physically ill to tell it so there you go you have been warned yeah so today we're talking about antoine victor artisan aka the vampire of moi (laughs) (laughs) i don't fucking know how is it spelled m-u-y all right, so the vampire of Muyi. <laughs> I'm not joking. Like vampire of Muyi. No, it's Muyi. Muyi. That's how you pronounce it because it's French. Okay. Anyway, so my sources are the True Crime Database, Wikipedia, and Dr. Vitelli. So, this guy who was born in Muyi, France, on September 5th, 1872. Muyi. Is a pro? Why are you laughing? How many I'm times are you gonna trying. say Mui? A few. In story. <laughs> I'm not trying to dick around here. All right, all right. <laughs> it's a province located in southeastern France. This was and still is a very old school looking town. It's very much like, if you think about it, it's kind of like those small towns in Ireland, where like they're okay. kind of in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Anyways. Mui is very small, and it kind of reminds me of where my mom grew up because it's so tiny. Anyways, definitely one of those towns where people know each other. So this guy, Artisan, Victor Artisan, was born to an Elizabeth Apollioni Pore. Elizabeth did not know who Victor's father was and was described by the town as a woman of, quote, disreputable character so after victor was born uh elizabeth married honore artisan and the family lived at 15 grand rue the family believed that there was something wrong with victor mentally stay with me here okay they believe that this may have been due to elizabeth's beatings that she lay on to victor specifically to the head Oh, <laughs> uh, then yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, he did not. He had a shit life. Okay. Oh, lovely, yeah. Lovely, lovely. This is the part in the story where I go, oh, poor kid. But then I know later on I'm going to be like. Oh. Yeah, no, it's 
It gets worse. Nonetheless, Elizabeth continued the beatings. Good, good. And there is nothing to indicate that Honore did anything to stop this behavior. So I'm going to call him Honore because it's just easier for me. Okay. This is the stepdad. Yeah. Right. Elizabeth eventually abandoned the family and Honore raised Victor as his own son. It's not to say that Honore was the best of caregivers. Honore was rumored to have beat Elizabeth and it was assumed that this was the reason why she left. But it didn't explain why she left Victor. My guess is she didn't love Victor. I mean, yeah, if she was laying the schlaps on Victor, maybe she just thought... She didn't love him and she didn't pretend to love him either. Yeah. Maybe she felt like Honore... I don't know how you pronounce it now. The stepdad was just gonna, like, skip the middleman now and not beat Elizabeth and Elizabeth beat the son now. He was just gonna beat Victor. No, he... Um, there's nothing to indicate that Honore even beat Victor. Oh, okay. Right on. Yeah. Even though, you know, some people tend to think that this is the only way to discipline children. He didn't do this. There was no naughty step in that house. No. Anyway, so the house that they stayed in was not being kept up with. And it fell to squalor very soon, like shortly after she left. Right. So Honore used to take in homeless women and they exchanged sex with him for a place to stay the night. I feel like this is probably what led him to become a huge perv because he would share these women with his son. Ah, okay. Yeah. But because of he did this often and it makes sense thinking about it that there was probably a lot of homeless people in this town. You know, like small towns generally have like a lot of vagrants that pass through. Yeah, yeah. Especially um, when was this? If it's not a booming town, there's not a lot of jobs. Yeah. So yeah. it's prone to homelessness. Um, so this was back in the 1870s. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, so Honore, like outside of this whole taking in women in exchange for sex, he had a reputation outside of that being that he was a petty, th- a petty thief. And this also played a role in how Victor was treated in school because they were like, well, Honore is a fucking thief and yeah you're just the son of a thief yeah so victor had significant learning disabilities which also made him an easy target for school bullies one of the popular names that they gave him was boob boob yeah oh okay they <laughs> called him a boob like, creative. you're the boob <laughs> yeah but like it, it very much hurt his feelings <laughs> okay okay anyways so as a teen he started doing some weird shit he would masturbate and drink his own sperm noting quote it's a shame to let it go to waste wait like publicly sometimes yeah okay because like otherwise it's fine you know what i mean you no. do what you gotta do indoors. he would do it out there yeah that's weird that's why he got the repu- he eventually ended up getting the reputation of being like a perv okay yeah because he would do these things openly right so I guess not That's sometimes. Not okay. Yeah. So I guess maybe not sometimes. I'd say most of the time he'd masturbate out in the open. Right. Yeah. Don't do that. Right. What also earned him the name of pervert was that he would chase girls, literally chase girls around town, asking them to marry him. Not that he was a hopeless romantic. He just wanted to get in their pants. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he would also stalk several girls that he found attractive. He eventually found out where these girls hid to pee because, hey, this is the 1870s and sometimes oh, yeah. you pee outside. Yeah. So he would find where they would hide to relieve themselves and he would stay like he would hide there and he would watch them pee. And after the, the girls would leave, he would lick up the pee while he masturbated. And he's gotten caught doing this, obviously, because this is a like a. A common place to for people for girls to come and pee. So like while he's over there licking pee and masturbating, a girl would pop up and see him doing this shit and laugh at him, and he'd be like, "I don't give a fuck," and he'd still be <laughs> wanking it. All right, still not okay, but I I have no words. I I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. But me neither. <laughs> um, <laughs> another thing, he was also not exclusive to women. Uh, or girls 
he was a prostitute himself and oddly enough he would only do this on sundays he would give bjs for money i don't know why just on sundays but only on sunday only the on day sundays. of our lord sunday <laughs> jesus whipped anyway <laughs> in 1882 the village gravedigger died being a small town there would only be a max of five burials a month so it wasn't the best paying job Onore took it anyway probably not a plethora of open jobs to choose from and he took victor with him to help victor was 19 at this time just for context okay a few years after this Onore addison fell into a grave and injured his foot Literally, one of the greatest fears I have is fucking up my ankle again, so I feel this pain. <laughs> anyway, this caused Onore to relinquish his position and allowed for Victor to step in. Almost immediately, he began to exhume women and girls from their graves. He admitted to at least 10 graves that he dug up and sexually desecrated the bodies, but there were several more. And I mean, sexually desecrated sounds like a cannibal corpse song or like a Demi Borgir song. It could very well be. Sexually desecrated, the bodies. In 1893, Victor was summoned to serve in the military. Honore was well enough to take up the grave digger job again. So he went ahead and did that. Um, while enlisted, Victor was given the responsibility of guarding guarding the gunpowder kegs at a military station um sorry military prison he quickly abandoned his post and went awol oh god i was just about to make it like i wouldn't trust this guy with like minding a a, a sliced pan or so like a loaf of bread yeah never you, mind like here you, say you sliced stand pan? here yeah a loaf of bread <laughs> you stand here and mind all of these gunpowder things i'm yeah. glad the only thing he did was run away yeah he found a job as a mason in Cannes, earning two francs a day, but only lasted a week after getting fired for being lazy. He decided to return to Muy, where the <laughs> gendarmerie, gendarmerie, <laughs> we are not French. <laughs> <laughs> they were waiting to arrest him for desertion. Mm. Just a quick definition of gendarmerie. A gendarmerie is a military force with law enforcement duties among the civilian population, translated to, quote, men at arms or, quote, armed people. Anyways, so he was taken to a military prison in Marseille to carry out his prison sentence. At this time, he was 20. He's had a busy year then, hasn't he? Yeah, I'd say so. A busy teenage life, I guess. Yeah. Victor was released after 100 days and went back to live with his dad, Onore. In Nui. I'm doing it right. I know. Well, I don't know, but it Nui. sounds funny regardless. Well, that's how you say it. I'm sure it. our like two or three French listeners are just going to be shaking their heads. Nah, they fucking love it. <laughs> <laughs> if you are a French listener, send us a, a DM of you saying Le Mui. No, send us a comment that says, I fucking love it. <laughs> We can split the difference. <laughs> <laughs> when he got back um, during the night, he would take his dad's keys that unlocked the cemetery gates. Because remember, he was still um, a fucking sex pervert. No, Onore was a grave digger. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, stay with me. Sorry, sorry. I thought we were talking about Victor. Anyway, so he would also take another killer song, "Cemetery Gates" by Pantera. Ah. So he would take these keys and he would equip himself with a shovel and he would go into the graves and get to digging. He would pry open the lids of, the, of these graves with his bare arms. Like, I'm sorry, with his bare hands because yeah. I mean, he was freakishly strong um, for a weirdo kid. What he would do is he would sit the dead corpses up like in, in a sitting position and he would begin to fondle and talk to them. And he would do things to the corpses with his mouth. Uh, okay, yeah, okay. The fact that they couldn't speak to him or react to him genuinely upset him. But it didn't deter him from continuing this practice. 
I Th- he that knew they were to dead. Show his like level of simplicity. Then really, he you wasn't know. an Ed Gein. No, no, no. Because Ed Gein wasn't like a sex pervert. No, like the level of simplicity. I mean. Oh, okay. He was. Come a on, bit stay with me, Adam. More intelligent than that. Okay. <laughs> when he wasn't fondling the corpses, he was having sex with them naturally. He chose his corpses based on how recently they'd been buried. Age was not an issue, but he did stick to female corpses. His victims ranged from 3 to 60 years old. Oh, Jesus. Honore eventually quit being a gravedigger, but that meant nothing to Victor. He couldn't quit these corpses, so he climbed over the walls of the cemetery. He visited a different grave every night. Fucking hell. One thing I will say, like, can you imagine walking past the graveyard one night and looking in and like whatever about him, you know, fucking having sex with these corpses. But I feel like it's almost creepier to look in and just see a corpse sitting up and him talking to it. Like, See, that's the thing. Um, If they stuck to digging them in deep holes i don't think he'd be able to see anything because they'd be so deep into the ground oh he'd just be in the ground doing this yeah oh, okay yeah i suppose i never really thought about that so anyways the fact that honore wasn't a grave digger anymore meant nothing to victor he continued to couple with these corpses so he climbed over the walls of the cemetery He visited a different grave every night, but once he heard that a young girl named Bertha died, he couldn't pass up a chance to exhume her. Victor remembered that she had what he considered beautiful breasts. So off he went to dig her up one night, and then the next, and then the next. This was the first corpse he visited frequently. Wow. Yeah. So... Do you think this is like his first serious relationship? Probably. On February 22nd, 1901, a now 29-year-old Victor found a new favorite. Victor exhumed the corpse of 14-year-old Lonnie, who only died two days before. His method was to keep an eye out for funerals, see if they were female, and ask what she died of. He mentioned that he drew the line at amputees when he learned that one of the females he was asking around about had lost a leg to a disease she'd had. So that was too much for him? Yeah. What a sick bastard. See, definitely not like Ed Gein. Yeah, but I can see the similarities in, like, Ed Gein used to keep an eye on the obituaries. And again, being in a small town, how easy would that be? You know what I mean? Just to know the comings and goings of dead people. Yeah. He went on to dig up the bodies of two sisters with the intention to bring them home with him, but he found that he could not carry them home. He put them back exactly how he found them. He put all corpses that he abused back in place as he found them. I'm guessing just in case he got caught, which he eventually did, or else I wouldn't be telling the story. Yeah, yeah. The 14-year-old I previously mentioned was examined and at first glance, did not look like she was tampered with. So he was really good at remembering how he found them. His next victim was 13-year-old Gabrielle, who had a reputation of being very attractive, which is weird to say about a 13-year-old. Yeah. Anyways, Victor, seeing himself as a collector of sorts, decided she would be next. He exhumed her like the others and tried to take her home with him. Victor could not carry her, so he did what he thought was the next best thing. He cut Gabrielle's head off with his pocket knife, put the body back in its coffin, and took the head home with him. He didn't even bother concealing it as he traveled home with it. Before the head mummified, he regularly made out with it. Once the decay started setting in, and Anora started complaining about a bad smell he couldn't quite place victor decided it was time to part ways with it you know it's almost like the kissing seems almost more intimate and gross than like the sexual stuff 
You're very that's very pretty woman of you. Julia Roberts over here. (laughs) So, nighttime came around, and there Victor went back to the cemetery to find a fresher corpse that was light enough for him to carry home. He dug up the body of 17 year old Honorine and raped her. He tried to carry her home, and when he found that he could not, he returned the corpse back to its grave. The next known case of his nightly activities happened in September 1901, and this was the one that got him caught. In September, a three-year-old named Louise died, and Victor chose her. Jesus. He snuck into the grave that night, dug her up, placed her in a bag, and took her home. He hid her in his attic on a bed of straw. Victor would sneak into the attic to abuse the corpse whenever Honore left the house. This went on for eight days. And then petrification began to set in. And then came the smells. He half-assed tried to get rid of the corpse by trying to detach the head from the body, but couldn't stomach to touch it for long. One day, when Victor was gone, the neighbors complained about the odor to Honore when he was on his way home. Honore went upstairs to get rid of the garbage because he thought that it was garbage that he had stored up there. So he went upstairs. He's like, all right, let me get rid of this garbage. And instead he found the little girl's corpse still wearing her dress. The corpse was decayed so badly that he didn't even know what it was when he first laid eyes on it. He thought it was some sort of animal. So he panicked and grabbed a shovel he saw in the attic likely Victor's shovel, and started beating the corpse with it. It took Honore a minute to figure out what he was looking at, and when he did, he went to the gendarmerie to report what he found. The gendarmerie questioned Honore, found him faultless, and set their sights on Victor. The gendarmerie searched the home and found several religious items that were stolen from the cemetery and made the arrest. Once Victor was found, he was arrested and charged for multiple counts of exhumation and violation of dead bodies. He was sent to Draguignon Jail to serve out his sentence. While he was there, he was examined by a prison doctor and Dr. Bellatrude of the Insane Asylum at Periofau Duvar. They asked him some questions about his crimes. They found he wasn't a person prone to anger or sadness. He didn't have feelings of empathy or affections for anyone ever, except for the pleasure abusing corpses brought him. During these exams, they tested his senses because surely someone who messed around with corpses were regularly exposed to the smell that they emanated during decay. It turns out Victor did not have a sense of smell or taste. And yet he was still disgusted by putrefaction well i think it was purely aesthetics he was like okay this doesn't look like it did when i got it you know what i mean return this exactly so and it makes sense why he would only start to get rid of bodies when other people started complaining yeah yeah. and it also explained why he was able to do things to these corpses with his mouth oh jesus yeah can you imagine how bad he smelled rotten yeah, because he would do things. Oh, I, uh, yeah. Do things with his mouth. That's enough. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> yeah, Gross. that was one of his favorite things to do to these corpses. Making mouth love. Yeah. To these corpses. That is vile fucking fell especially because they oh i guess they'd get cleaned up but i can't i can't talk it's about still this a anymore. dead body yeah we, i i think we both feel physically ill we're oh, sorry for this i do this feel might Ill. get edited, <laughs> no we need to keep it in <laughs> uh anyways 
So Victor also confessed that he never had a normal relationship with a woman and didn't have an interest in participating in one. It was corpses for Victor. And so can Dick on a Sunday. Yeah. He told the doctors as he laughed his weird hiccup laugh. The only hiccup laugh that I can think of is the one that, the one that uh, Goofy has. Yeah, so I, if you, I'm picturing something along the same lines. Yeah, yeah. so if you want to imagine how he laughs, uh, look up Goofy. Victor told the doctors that he enjoyed prison because he got free cigarettes, free meals, and free boarding, basically. He told the doctors that before he got caught with the three-year-old Louise, he was going to get rid of her, dig up another corpse for himself, and just keep on going. Victor also told them that he had had sex with over a hundred corpses, only Victor didn't call them corpses. He called them his brides or fiancés. Who knows if this was his sense of humor or if he really saw them as companions. He never showed remorse for his crimes and definitely didn't regret any of them. He promised the doctors that he would give up his love for dead bodies, but this was surely an attempt to get released like he did when he went AWOL. Because a judge during that time, basically, like, at the hearing was like, yeah, he's irresponsible, but I think he learned his lesson and, right. like, let him go. So he was hoping for the same kind of leniency. One doctor, Alexis Epuliar, got to examine him and deemed him, quote, a degenerate, impulsive sadist and necrophile. Accurate? Yeah. Meanwhile, Dr. Richard von Croft Ebbing called him a moron void of any moral sense. Also valid. <laughs> wow. Whether he was dumb or just didn't understand the gravity of his crimes, he spent the rest of his life in a psychiatric hospital at Pierre Faux Duvar, and he died on March 9th, 1944, at the age of 71. 1944, Jesus Christ. That's really not that long ago. Like No. How old was he? Died at 71. And he lived a long time as well, especially yeah. back then. Because that's all those free meals and cigarettes, you know? No stress. Especially for what went inside his body when he put his mouth on. He probably had the immune system of, yeah. I don't know what, a street monkey. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was fucking horrific. Thank you for yeah, that. No it problem. was a really good story. Though. Like, I've never <laughs> heard of it. Like, as disgusting as it is, those are, like, obviously some of the most interesting stories. Yeah. Because they're so fucking depraved exactly. and out there. I think those are, those are the stories that really get me excited to tell them because they're just so out there. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Fucking wild. Yeah. We're not discussing sick sex perverts or anything like that. What? I said, we're not disgusting sick sex perverts or anything like oh, that. Oh, no, no. <laughs> no, I don't condone this kind of situation. Right. Um, so that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Do we have any news for afterwards? Uh, we're about to make some turkey burgers. Go lay down because this one was a doozy. <laughs> As I'm like, hmm, going to make some turkey burgers. Uh, Turkbergs. Fucking love us some Turkbergs. Love some Turk nugs too. Yep. Worcester sauce. It's the key. Mm. Okay. Well, this is awkward. I feel itchy. <laughs> All right. I think we should wrap it up. Yeah. Um, usual fucking story, people. If you have any weird ghost stories or fucking anything just strange that you want to tell us about email us at weeklycreep at gmail.com make sure to follow us on instagram uh facebook fucking twitter fucking. tiktok uh if you follow us on itunes if you're listening to us on itunes right now please take a minute to uh rate and review and i think that's it if you want some cool Weekly Creep merch, check out our wet Red Bubble. If you want extra content, us looking at scary videos, us talking shit about ourselves, or just extra Weekly Creep episodes, check out our Patreon. $5 for the max level, $10 for the pork chop level. And yeah, I think that's it, right? Yeah. 
show is. This is what Victor must have sounded like oh, when he was no, in the room. I'm, I'm hanging up now. This hanging is me up. Phone call. <laughs> I'm stopping this right Are now. you that tick? What <laughs> <laughs> um, just flashed red there? That was weird. Your mom. Okay. Um, definitely couldn't let it. <laughs> All right, creeps. Thanks for listening. Okay, bye. bye. Wow. Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? I'm not even breathing. <laughs> you should leave that in. <laughs> <laughs>